Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Good morning. We're live for episode 154 of Trek Live. How you doing this morning, Dan? Uh, doing great. I'm excited to... This is the first fantasy draft that we've done in the that we that we are doing in the new year so i'm excited yeah. for it yeah me too this is a this is an exciting kind of break from what we've done uh to this point uh, we've done i want to say five fantasy drafts so far and they've all been specific to a show uh like a season of a show and we did the movies as well you'll find like i think we did tng season three we did voyager season five uh tos season two DS9 season season one and the movies. So this is kind of a break from that. And we're going to look at the 29 episodes and somebody can correct me if I'm missing one. um, If we, if we slip on any, I think we're, I think we're good though. Um, Did I miss one? 29. (laughs) Did you? No, I don't think so. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Uh, twenty. There, I believe there are twenty-nine two-part episodes um, that have the the part one and part two as part of their title. Uh, there are lots of other examples of sort of arc-based um, episodes that uh, might not have that, but are clearly a part one, part two. For the purposes of this draft, we're leaving those out. These are strictly the episodes that have the labeled part one and part two uh, that we're kind of limiting ourselves to here. So that gives us examples from across the spectrum. We have TOS all the way through Picard represented on our uh, on our draft board. Um, And uh, quite a few examples of a lot of those middle shows, like three discoveries, you know, handful of enterprise. Uh, So all the shows are here and it'll be interesting to not just look at like, well, which TNG two-parter do you like the most? It's like put them all into a big pot and have to choose among all the options. It should be, should be uh, a different kind of thing. Yes. Um, So this is going to be a a, a big kind of change because you know, in the past, like you said, we've done episodes where it was specific to a show. We were in TNG, we were in the movies, kind of, and, and so I think this should be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this opens up a lot of doors. We could do, you know, this. The, the, the cool thing about this idea, I think, with fantasy drafts of episodes, is that you can you can construct it any way you want. Um, you can you can Big time. put any kind of pool of episodes into whatever list you want and run from that. You know, it can be. You know, season finales across all the shows. Uh, like every season finale, uh, you can. It's just endless. The number of, like it's just you can. You could do anything. Yeah, you can go with like <clears throat> you keep it specific to a show. You can do data episodes. We just did data spotlight last week. You can you know look at the TNG episode guide and find all the episodes that really center on data and put them on a on draft board and have to do this. Yeah. So uh, there are all kinds of um, ways I think we can have fun with this, and I'm sure we will. And this is our, our sort of first break from tradition with the, the season looks. Um, so we're going to go 10 rounds. Uh, there are 29 to choose from, so that kind of pretty closely uh, breaks this into thirds. We'll each end up with 10. We'll have uh, nine left undrafted, which will be interesting to look at which one's got, which one's got left behind. Uh, it should be, should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, before we get into that, Bill, um, yeah. update us on your rewatch. Or your so right now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I am about, I want to say, am I a little more than a third, I guess, through season two of Deep Space Nine, season seven of TNG. Uh, I just watched uh, my last episodes for each were Second Sight from Deep Space Nine, which is not a favorite of mine. Um, I did see some some mixed reactions on Twitter uh, when I when I tweeted about it. Some the episode got some love, which always happens. Yeah. I mean, it's very rare for especially if I ask a question you know, related to an episode. There's always going to be some uh, mixed responses. There's going to be people who like it. There's going to be people who don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there were there were some. I can't remember exactly who it was. Maybe it was AK Maple in the room um, on Periscope at least uh, who threw the episode a little bit of love um, and I'm not in love with it I, I have a hard time with uh, the kind of lackadaisical kind of slow plotting yeah. uh, rhythm of it it's you know, less well paced than many other examples of, uh, of Trek mm-hmm. Um but the, the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we did the the season two uh, recap was that you know this is an episode that does I give it credit for you know allowing the audience to be reminded that you know Benjamin Cisco is a widower and yeah. single dad you know and that uh, he has some unique character traits uh, that you know over the course of the show when they're telling their stories and dealing with their crisis of the week it's kind of easy to lose sight of so I appreciate that the show took the time to tell a story you know produce an episode that leans into that aspect of Cisco's character which is unique to him it makes him you know his own character and something different than we've had before in track yeah uh, so it does it does keep that ball in the air which I appreciate and I think other episodes will as well in the future um, this is sort of season two's example of allowing that to stay alive mm-hmm. um, but I, I wish the episode was stronger for myself yeah um, not not my favorite um, and then for TNG the last one I watched was Inheritance which is uh, the, the female scientist who claims to be Dr. Soong's ex-wife, uh, mm, David's mm-hmm. mother, um, with, with the twist involved uh, about her identity and where she comes from. Yeah. Which I think adds some credence to a lot of the stuff in Picard. I, one of the things that I kind of, I don't want to say I threw shade at Picard, but mm-hmm. I, one of the things I had the hardest time kind of embracing was this idea that Dr. Soong has this brother out there in the far reaches of space who's also doing uh, artificial intelligence work, somebody we hadn't really heard of. Um, no real indication that there was more going on there and that there were more people involved and um, this kind of late revelation. Uh, but, um, you know, this episode, I think, adds credence to that. Data doesn't know that there's this woman who existed that had a yeah. romantic relationship with Soong and worked with him and can claim to be sort of Data's mother. And there's a. So it, it, it adds to the credence that there is more than meets the eye with Dr. Soong and there are more people that were involved in this project and uh, that yeah. it wasn't just, you know, a single old guy. Uh, Tinkering you know, on stuff. Doing yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. 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 There, there was, there's more to it. So it's, it's an episode that I haven't ever, like, I can't say that I loved. But I've always respected and liked. I think Brent Spiner's really good at it. The guest star, Anna Flanagan, is really, really a good character actress, and she's excellent in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Picard, it's another example of an episode that I think is kind of improved with time with the additional um, context that we've gotten in. Yeah, it's very true. Shows under new sense. Yeah. Yeah. My rewatch. Cool. Um, yeah. 
I, I believe the last one I talked about was Destiny, maybe, which I was on. Um, the next run of episodes that I went through uh, is Mo- uh, Profit, Motive, Visionary, Distant Voices, Through the Looking Glass, uh, and Improbable Cause. Um, good run of episodes, I think, uh, in there. Um, but it's it, Deep Space Nine is at the point where it's, it's starting to kind of heat up. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, season three it, it gets gets really strong. I think that Improbable Cause dies cast two parter is sort of the pivot point where I think a lot of people credit the show with like finding its sea legs and really becoming Deep Space Nine proper. Yeah. When Cisco shaves his head at the beginning of season four and he at Worf and the Klingon stuff, but I, I think it's I think it's that I think it's Improbable Cause and dies cast the way it deals with uh, the the Dominion and like the big political situation across the quadrant across the, that half of the galaxy yeah. with the, the Romulans and the Cardassians and everybody's kind of involved and everybody has stake in the game uh, I think I think that's where Deep Space Nine really starts to embrace the fact that it's the only show that takes place in that part of the galaxy you have Voyager exactly. all the way out in the Delta yeah. Quadrant TNG's off the air so Deep Space Nine kind of has the, the lay of the land they can kind of do what they want and swing the fences in terms mm-hmm. of what's going on in the universe yeah. and they start to take advantage of that freedom in, in that two part uh, which sets up a lot of what's coming yeah. down the road they, they, they really build off what they've already built before I feel like they don't really rely on, on other things from other shows or other ideas like this is this kind of kickstart to, to the end of season 3 season 4 is really kind of them yeah building off what they've kind of already done in the past couple seasons so I really enjoy it yeah, yeah, you're you're into good stuff, and uh, you're getting towards the end. You only have maybe six episodes left or so, uh, yeah. maybe five, something like that. Yeah. So we'll be doing um, maybe a DS9 season three. Yeah, see or skip kind of it. Recap yeah, here pretty soon. soon. Yeah. So skip it. Yep. Um, that I'll be kind of eager to look at for sure to talk about all these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I think we should transition right into this this proceeding that we're getting off on today. Uh, the fantasy draft, the two part episodes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead on my end uh, and put on, if you're watching us on Periscope or YouTube, hopefully in a second here you'll be able to see our, our draft board uh, with the list of options that we have at our disposal, uh, each two-parter. Again, this does not include two-part cool. episodes. <laughs> you got 29. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, this does not include two-part episodes that uh, don't have part one and part two as part of their yeah. So there's that. Uh, the, the one huge, and I'm sure we'll end up talking about it, uh, curveball in here that Discovery threw us this year is That Hope Is You, uh, which is part one at the premiere and part two at the finale. That is an unconventional option here. That's uh, not your run-of-the-mill two-parter, right? That's It's no. a little bit different. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see how that gets, if, if that gets chosen, and if it, if it doesn't, and if maybe that's why, uh, that it's not as clean-cut a two-parter as some of these other all of these other uh, part one, part two stories are. Uh, there are also two of these for those who look at these episodes in all kinds of different ways. Uh, there, there's all kinds of uh, almost like religion, like uh, ways of kind of how many episodes are there? How do you count them? Uh, the There are two Voyager episodes here, Dark Frontier and uh, the, the, the Flesh and Blood, which were aired as a two-hour like TV movie, but they were produced 
as two separate episodes. The part one and part two have different directors. They have different production numbers. They were sort of spliced together to air as a a two hour movie. So yeah. uh, for that, for this purpose, I put them here. Uh, they're 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 going to count. So they are options. Um, but you could make a case. I think Jim Morehouse from Trek Ranks with his with his spreadsheet might not click count them. He might have twenty seven on his board okay. uh, as as a two hour movie. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I would argue with him on that. <laughs> that would be a, an interesting debate to have. Yeah. Um, so we do have to decide who's going to go first. Um, how are we going to do that? Do we? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can flip a coin on my phone. Okay. Uh, cool. I'm going to do a uh, an online. We, we always do this, uh, and don't decide beforehand. Mm-hmm. Flip a coin. Yeah. So, uh, as as Bill gets that ready, I would love to see your guys' list if you're watching yeah. this live or um, after the fact. If you're listening on the podcast, definitely come over to Twitter or the Discord server, post your guys' um, draft board, uh, and so we could see uh, what you guys would pick. Because uh, I think the the fun thing uh, with both Bill and I, we're, we're, we're going to be able to you know pick different episodes and see how that kind of plays out. But also, uh, I'm curious to, to see... Uh, where you, you, these two parters land on your guys' draft board because I think this is kind of a way to see kind of what people think as far as like their top, let's say top five or top ten uh, two-parter episodes. It's kind of a s- sneaky way to, to kind of find that out. Besides, <clears throat> I mean, you can't really do that with, with Bill and I because we're going to be picking each other's different episodes because uh, just the way the draft works. But um, Right. Again, I'm, I'm really excited to see your guys's uh, your picks as well. Yeah, the, the whole point is definitely to kind of stretch ourselves into looking at our preferences, basically. Uh, and the, the the fantasy draft element adds that competitive element. Um, but at the end of the day, we're just interested in hearing like which ones do you love. So if if you're in the chat and you have a top ten list, a top five list, whatever you want to share, mm-hmm. uh, we would we'd love to hear it. Aka Mamel's in the room and. Uh, mentions that she, she uh, thinks she has a, a pretty nice mix of all the shows, which is what I love. I love to see that. Um, I do have my coin flipper ready to go, so I'm going to let you call it. And cool, I'll. What do you got? Tails. You're going to call tails. Yes. It is. It is tails. Yes. So you have won the toss, and you're going to be up first. Okay, with my first pick. In the two-part episode fantasy draft will be... Let's see if I can do this. Oh, oh, not yet. There we go. Year of Hell from Voyager. Year of Hell. Yes. I, I really do love this episode. Maybe could have let it slide a couple rounds, but when in the past I feel like I've been uh, a type of not a team, but a person that did drafts or takes an episode because I, I really just like it and I try not to let other people's opinions because I think maybe 
it's just my preference, I guess. Uh, I think maybe yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill goes with maybe a different episode or episodes here on the first round, but it's it's my preference. I'm a big Voyager guy. I really think I really do love this episode, and I couldn't let it couldn't let it go. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably at the end of the day the, the best way to go. Just kind of trust your instincts and pick what what you you genuinely want like what you want to survive you don't want to necessarily play too much russian roulette with letting things slip through and figuring out i'll get that in the third or fourth round yeah uh because you never know i mean i i for quick bit of housekeeping i i didn't do a ton of like preparation for this okay uh, just as i'm looking at it right here i have some like rankings in my head that are like pre-programmed from times past but uh i I'm trying not to do too much advanced homework. I'm just going to kind of let my instincts guide me okay. through this. So you never know. I mean, I could have taken Yerbel pretty early here. Okay. Um, definitely a cool pick and very much a you pick. Uh, Good. Makes perfect sense for you. Uh, I'm going to go with the boring standard, get it off the board, best of both worlds for TNG okay. as my first choice. Um you know, it's it's as standard issue and safe as it as it gets. But I, I do genuinely think it's my favorite of of these options. Uh, I think the iconic cliffhanger and the, the the balancing act it has of being action adventure with the Borg and all the big science fiction stuff that comes from that, and also being about as something as simple as Riker's career and do you want to be what do you what do you, what do you want to do? What do you feel most comfortable doing? What makes you happy as opposed to sort of what conventional wisdom and what uh, kind of peer pressure and what your what your mm-hmm. cohorts think you should be doing. Uh, you know, should you be the captain because that's what looks good on paper or should you be the first officer of the Enterprise because that's what actually genuinely makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that it can do both those things. It can walk and chew gum at the same time and uh, do, it, do both extraordinarily well. So yeah. that's my first round pick. Cool. Yeah, it's a great pick. Uh, I definitely <clears throat> knew that was going to go maybe in the first two rounds. Just uh, definitely a classic. Okay. So, All right. My next pick is might be a little bit unconventional, uh, but I think the recency of just watching it, uh, I think just plays right into my hands, I guess, as far as loving this episode. But I'm going to go with... Deep Space Nine's past tense as my next two-parter two pick. I had just hit this on my rewatch. It kind of, kind of really worked out. Uh, I had finished kind of all the two-parters. I had seen. <clears throat> uh, this was probably the last one to see uh, before this, so it works out perfectly. I, I really do love this episode. This, um, yeah, really good. I, it is. I, I, I it's. It, it feels really big, too, but I think there's some simple elements of just the trio kind of a little bit. And then, uh, I you know, I, a lot of these maybe it would be fun to see how many like <laughs> are about uh, time travel and things like that. But yeah, um, <laughs> this one <clears throat> is just has it all. So I had to take it. Yeah, past tense is a great choice. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a recency element there for sure with you. That you, you know, you just it's really fresh in your mind. You just watched it. Uh, you kind of rediscovered it. I think I remember talking about it. You, you didn't have a ton uh, of memory uh, going into yeah. it with what it was going to do, what it was going to be about. Yeah. So that had to had to help. 
um, yeah. as well. And it's a classic. It's 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 stood the test of time. It's mm-hmm. it's about big things and things that are just as relevant today in 2021 as they were being discussed in in 1995 or whatever when it came out. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a great one, and it was it would have been high up on my list. That I, I would have gotten it pretty soon here, I think, if, if you didn't do that. So I'm going to go with a Voyager choice and kind of pair it with the best of both worlds um, and go with Scorpion. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to try to see if I could let it slide one more yeah. round, but <laughs> I knew you'd take it. Yeah, it's pretty high on my on my favorites list of you know all Star Trek. Um I, you know, obviously it introduces a huge, huge component of what I think makes Voyager a great show with Seven of Nine. Uh, really shoots a, a breath of fresh air into the show and uh, mm-hmm. ups the stakes with kind of beginning this process of having to deal with the Borg, which some people think was a mixed mixed bag as far as how Voyager handled the Borg overall. Yeah. Uh, but it's full of promise and full of excitement and full of, you know, uh, big ideas with, with Scorpion, I think, yeah. at the beginning. Uh, and Species 8472, so all kinds of ambitious visual stuff going on there with oh, unconventional alien species and great score and great cliffhanger. You know, Janeway, you know, doing something really gutsy and uh, I think sets her apart to, to make that decision to try to negotiate with the Borg and try to mm-hmm. do a deal with the devil. Um, really, really great stuff. Uh, definitely been long time big big favorite of mine yeah it th- that episode does feel really big like i feel like if if voyager were to have a movie like this this would be it it's a big kind of actiony really sci-fi great two-parter yeah for sure agree real quick before we start round three a uh, little bit of a chat update in the periscope here we have uh ak mamel and, and fitzy calherb jeff in the room um a lot of uh respect for all of our picks here hell's getting love best of both worlds cool noted as a favorite nice uh uh, can never go wrong with Borg. Uh, Scorpion is Jeff's favorite Voyager two-parter. Top three Voyager episode for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a lot of love, a lot of respect in, in the chat. Uh, two rounds in, so we'll see. I mean, I, the, the always, always, always with these things, uh, especially when we go as deep as ten rounds. I think the, the first handful of rounds are, are not not autopilot, but it's kind of shooting fish in a barrel with great episodes predictable yeah uh, but once once yeah you're getting like the real classics off the bat and yeah. uh once you're once you're through like the no-brainers going off of conventional wisdom it's interesting i think those those last handful of rounds are where it gets really we really get into like personal preferences and what big time what what we kind of find ourselves gravitating towards mm-hmm. so okay for my uh third or fourth round I think yeah third round I am gonna go with the TNG two-parter chain of command yeah one of my favorites for sure this is a great episode I I don't know if it has the rewatchability of maybe some of these other ones but it is so 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 good it's Picard's got some great stuff in it, you know. Four lights thing always gets, or three lights or whatever. It gets cited as as maybe the most memorable thing in that. But there's also some 
just other stuff that's that's so 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 good in this uh, I think I, I really like this and I had to take it so yeah Chain of Command's got it's another one that I think bounces really well it's got the part two is really heavy with the Patrick Stewart, David Warner, uh, yeah. two-hander, torture sequence uh, stuff, uh, Gulbin Jared and Picard. Yeah. Uh, but I think equally really interesting, compelling is Captain Jellico seeing oh, yeah. you know, a, a, a fresh face and a new approach that kind of doesn't go down easy. I think that that's a common thing that a lot of people can relate to when you have a change at the top mm-hmm. and somebody comes in and just kind of wants to shake things up and is not interested in kind of just... You know, keeping the status quo and doing it the way the old guy did it. Yeah, I think that's that's something that a lot of people experience in their own workplaces. And Star Trek finds a way to explore that in a way that is real, relatable, um, incredible in in the Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, universe, basically. And I, I think it's got some of Frakes' best stuff too. When he gets relieved, Angelica has to come ask him pilot the shuttle and this dangerous mission and they both kind of let each other have it and and, and give each other honest assessments of each other uh, <laughs> it, it's a real highlight for me that's one of my favorite scenes yeah and the next generation especially for record so mm-hmm. uh, huge fan of Chain of Command and definitely would have been a high pick so yeah uh, for me getting into the lots of different really good options here I'm going to go with classic TOS and go with the Menagerie. Okay. Uh, I think that, that sits pretty high up on my favorites list uh, as well. Um, that is a groundbreaking piece of Star Trek for sure. I think uh, the production challenge of finding a way to kind of uh, take advantage of this unaired pilot uh, and make it fit into the continuity of the show I think it's sort of like the first step for Star Trek to kind of establish itself as this thing with history and lineage and things that came before and characters served on other ships and there were other people who were on these ships in years past I think that's a, that's a huge hallmark of Star Trek one of the one of the big calling cards of it mm-hmm. is it's this thing with running history and things you can pop it in and out of and uh, the menagerie sort of the the, the the introduction of, of that being a real thing that Star Trek concerns itself with. And, um, you know, I, I, I think Cage is really, really strong, so the, the footage that they're using is is is, is good and really compelling uh, dramatic stuff, Pike and Vina, and then, of course, with Discovery later on, if yeah. you're a fan of Discovery Season 2, it just, I think, even further enhances all of that stuff with uh, Spock's choice to kind of throw it all away to save Pike and to give Pike this, this thing that he knows Pike would want. Um, that isn't conventionally possible because of Talos Ford being this banned planet that nobody can go to. Uh, I think yeah. in, in season two of Discovery, we see enough of uh, why Spock would be so loyal to Pike mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of throw it all away. There's a real bond there. Um, so on its own, it's great. And I think in the history of Star Trek, it's kind of unmatched in its significance yeah. with establishing that it's going to have continuity and history and all that good stuff. I would definitely agree that Menagerie is, is very, it's like upper echelon as far as two-parters go, but I think if we're talking about like draft stock rising, this episode in particular is definitely rising just because of, like you said, season two of Discovery and how it, it changes that whole thing. So definitely rising for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think <clears throat> going back to it and further exploring those characters only enhanced it for sure. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you got, round four? My round four pick will be a, another Voyager. Okay. It will be Equinox. Okay. I I think this is underrated uh, two-parter. I think it it um it really plays with something that probably every viewer and probably this crew has thought. You know what? If if we didn't stay stick to our uh, Starfleet and, and Federation ideals, what would happen? Uh, we kind of get the, this mirror uh, to be able to see and reflect on that. Um, there's also some really good character stuff in that, so I had to pick it. Yeah, I mean, I think Equinox, like you said, really takes advantage of Voyager's premise. Yeah. Uh, the, the different points along the way when particularly I think the Maquis crew, especially early on, we question Janeway on being so beholden to Starfleet principles. Do they really work out here? Should we really be leaning so heavily into yeah. these things that work really well in the Alpha Quadrant when you have a fleet and you have resources and all these things backing you up? Should yeah. we throw them away? I think Equinox sort of poses that question in a real way and forces them to look in the mirror and uh, validate that choice that Janeway made. Um, you got some really good guest characters there with Captain Ransom. Oh, yeah. uh, some cool ethical questions that are asked about animal rights and Devil in the Dark style um, uh, exploration of alien, you know, other entities that are not exploitation <laughs> exploitation yeah. Of, 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 yeah. of yes uh, really really great Star Trek stuff loaded in that episode Janeway gets pushed to the brink and yeah. I, I think <laughs> her the, the divisive element in this episode probably that stuff some people might think Janeway goes too far maybe gets a little out of character I don't at all I think I the personal think so. nature of how she kind of feels this in her bones and mm-hmm. is so offended by what Ransom's doing makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. And I, I like the juxtaposition of Chakotay, the Maquis, runaway from Starfleet being the one that sort of has to try to, to pull, pull her, her back. back. Yeah. Yes, is is a really cool choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is it just feels real. It feels feels dramatically satisfying, incredible, and I love it. Mm-hmm. You can actually be high on my list too. That might have been the next one I picked. So, um, looking at this, there are a lot of good choices, but kind of through the the no brainer ones here. You are. Um, I'm gonna definitely are. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with one that I'm pretty confident you would not choose, but I love, and that is in a mirror darkly from Enterprise. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, that's that's I think my favorite of what's left if I'm being honest um, I love In a Mirror Darkly I like the complete commitment to insanity uh, we talked about that with the episode recently just kind of committing to it and rolling with the absurdity of everything and the way that In a Mirror Darkly just throws itself into the mirror universe without even uh, throwing a tie back to the prime timeline and our, our, our traditional characters it was a really ambitious choice. It was a controversial choice because you know, a few episodes left in Enterprise. There was a lot of question about, you know, do we really need to spend time away from our characters and do all that? But one of the things that In a Mirror Darkly does by the nature of its, through the nature of its plot, because we're on the, the, the Defiant, which is from the 23rd century, thrown back in time, is Mirror Archer has access to what our Captain Archer ultimately became. And that is a huge part of pressuring him into what he's trying to do. He has to match 
Federation president, you know, legendary historical figure, George Washington of the Federation, Jonathan yeah. Archer, basically. And the that, I think, does inform some things about things we're not going to see in Enterprise, uh, knowing that Joe's ending early. Uh, we're not we're not going to see Archer fulfill necessarily that full arc. So, in a weird way, and Mirror Darkly does kind of inform us of some of the things that Jonathan Archer will do and how he's going to be viewed in the history books and how he accomplishes, you know, many many things. Um, and I think it, it has fun with Mirror Universe. I think Deep Space Nine fell into a trap of some some pretty rough episodes in the Mirror Universe and maybe losing sight of what made it great, what made it cool in Mirror Mirror and uh, I think Intermirror Darkly takes a completely different approach and kind of just embraces the, the insanity of it, the absurdity of it, the silliness of it and leans into those aspects and has fun as opposed to really dark, grimy sometimes sometimes even campy elements that you do get in Deep Space Nine. There's, certain, there's some elements of camp near in Amir Darkly too as well, but I think it's just toned significantly better than what uh, Deep Space Nine ended up yeah. doing on its repeat visits to the, to the Mirror Universe. Yeah, I think it really knows what it is and it doesn't try to be really anything else, uh, which I, I can appreciate it. You guys know that I'm not a big Mirror Universe fan, but I can definitely appreciate it. Yeah, and they rebuilt the Enterprise, like all those sets being yeah. like, kind of like, and, and you know, Discovery they took the, the different approach of kind of, you know, breathing new life and reimagining some of those sets and you know honoring the the lineage of it and recreating, but really not being afraid to to juice them up with modern production values. And I think Enemir Darkly was sort of maybe the end point of being able to just kind of reproduce and <laughs> yeah. and, and and do the do the old sets. Um, that's the last time we're going to see those sets built that way Um, and there's a definite nostalgic factor to seeing those Enterprise characters walking around the classic TOS sets Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so round five Round. You have real quick, actually, in the chat, uh, just some love for Namir Darkly. A lot of uh, Fitz Calher uh, loves Equinox. Uh, great pick, he says. Um, AKA Mamel uh, loves Namir Darkly. So we're getting, we're getting some backup here. Getting, <laughs> That's good. We're not, we're, we're not getting uh, right there with the Coles yet with any controversial choice. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> what do you got? Uh, my round five pick will be uh, another TNG two-parter. I talked about yeah. Rising Stock uh, in Bill's uh, Menagerie pick. I think uh, Unification, I'm picking Unification, um, definitely, definitely is a Rising Stock as far as where Picard went uh with with that show i think it's definitely a fun exploration of of the the, the dynamic of between romulans and, and vulcans and um i know spock was in this episode but um i think more than that i i like the exploration of, of their dynamic and their relationship and and this kind of sets the groundwork kind of for more things to come not just with obviously it's it's you know the two uh, worlds kind of trying to come together, but also where Picard goes as a character as well. So I couldn't leave it off the list any longer. 
Yeah, Unification's great. I, I think it has aged well, and there are some really great... You know, it, it, it's another one that I think balances pretty well. It's got these big, huge ideas with the Balkans and the Romulans reunifying and uh, working together. Uh, try, you know, elements of both societies working together to uh, reunify. Um, and what that means to the Federation, in theory, and what that would mean to the Romulans. And you have Sela coming back and being a part of it. But I, I think... Those are big picture things, but simple scenes like Picard's last meeting with Sarek uh, when Sarek is fading is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, just tremendous performances on both those actors' parts uh, with Sarek sort of slipping in and out of uh, hanging in that conversation and Picard kind of just rolling with the punches and getting the information he needs, but being respectful at, at every step along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, I, I've, I've talked to you, I think, about, uh, I can't remember, I think it was last week, we talked to Data having that scene with Spock on the Earth Prey talking about, you know, their kind of similar yet opposite uh, journeys with reckoning with humanity and what they both want and how they, how they are very much opposites, but dealing with similar struggles as well with yeah. identity and uh, finding comfort in their own skin so to speak but, uh, so there are these small moments that are really sprinkled in that I love some of my favorite yeah. little moments with characters yeah which is uh, I, th- I feel like not to, to stay on data a little bit longer just because we had a whole episode last week on that character but it I think that those two characters get lumped together as kind of the same type of character but I think they are similar in a lot of ways but also different in that way so yeah no I agree all true. Yep. Yep. Okay, um, I'm going to double back to TNG, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Redemption, which is a okay. uh, big Klingon yeah. Civil War uh, story. Uh, a lot of heavy war stuff. Uh, Kern, uh, um, Gowron, big, big heavy factors in these two episodes. The Dura sisters, really classic, big, almost... Uh, like Shakespearean quality characters yeah. uh, that are at the head of the Klingon government basically vying for power and the ripples that that's sending through the rest of the quadrant Klingon, with the Romulans kind of getting their fingers in it and trying to manipulate the situation and the Federation trying to piece it all together and figure out what the heck's going on mm-hmm. um, strong Michael Dorn stuff some really good Patrick Stewart stuff in there too uh I, I think it's TNG playing with as wide a canvas and kind of like we were just talking about in the rewatch recap with uh, Deep Space Nine kind of committing to not being afraid of shaking up the dynamic and really playing with their, you know, complete autonomy in the Alpha Quadrant, basically not having TNG anymore and doing some big things. Redemption feels like TNG not being afraid to do big things, like uh, not, not being afraid to almost get into serialization a little bit it's not traditional serialization it's not something that hangs and it's something that lingers the way like this indie arc does in season three of enterprise for example um but they're they're, they're starting things that are going to ultimately need to be paid off mm-hmm. or are, are, are things that are going to potentially linger and create opportunities down the road not clean you know beginning middle and an end mm-hmm. things and redemption pays off things that came earlier with Worth, you know, giving up his honor and sins of the father, like their resolutions there. So it's it's an example of Star Trek 
also uh, starting to get comfortable with the idea of some serialization yeah. as well. So. Yeah, all good stuff. Um, yeah, it, it does feel really big. Uh, I'll definitely give you that. It's um, but it's also got some great Klingon stuff, which I love. Which I think maybe, I think I may, maybe made a mistake. Maybe I didn't. Uh, you guys know that I'm big on Klingon stuff, so you do love the Klingons. Yeah. It's got data in command of a ship. Oh yeah. And it's got good really stuff. good stuff in part two with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's good. It pays off yesterday's Enterprise too with the introduction of Sela. There's a big scene, Card and her talking about the the kind of the unknowingness of what happened in yesterday's Enterprise. Like, totally understand it. Mm-hmm. So a lot a lot of serialization going. Yeah. Action. We're into, we're into the second half now. Yeah, we're in that Six. second half where I think the episodes definitely fall off definitely i think it's there's some unpredictability here where i i don't know where bill's gonna go he probably doesn't know where i mean he probably could guess uh because the next my next pick is a voyager pick and it's going to be basics basics okay. yeah i like uh i think we've all thought of of like them like losing the ship uh, kind of yeah. from the very beginning and I think that's cool that they kind of explore that here I think um, the, the, their ideals are definitely put to the test um, you know do they stay there do they try to get the ship back you know what what happens uh, some stuff on the ship there's some good stuff you know on the ship um, yeah all good stuff I think for uh, Voyager 2 Parter for sure yeah, I think I think the title kind of tells you everything. It, it, it's forcing the characters to kind of be stripped of their technology and having to go back to the basics, and it's them kind of operating as a crew with no technology and no, uh, yeah, have to lean on all their most basic skill sets to mm-hmm. survive and to live to fight another day. Yeah. And there, there's definitely some big action. I'm not a huge fan of the Kazan. They they've kind of gritted on me by that point, but they do take advantage of the the they feel powerful in that episode like they do feel like Voyager's outnumbered Voyager is is reaping the consequences of kind of uh, uh, allowing that Kazan situation to kind of spiral out of control for Mm -hmm. the course of the last two years and Seska's kind of done enough damage at this point to be able to do what she does and take Voyager Uh, it feels like that was building to that that point all season if you watch season two of Voyager I'm watching the Delta Flyers podcast and they're going through season two of Voyager right now just hearing them recap the episodes and talk about them you really do feel that momentum being pulled from pretty early in the season that Seska is constantly working in the background to do this this is Mm -hmm. what Seska has been wanting all along Uh, and I I love that I love the build up to it and um Chakotay's got some really good stuff in it with, uh, you know, having this personal vendetta kind of against. burning inside yeah. of him <laughs> against Seska. Seska. <laughs> wanting to go off on his own, but the crew not letting him just make one man thing and uh, wanting to back him up. I, I think there's some really good stuff there. So, yeah, but I think Basics is really strong. I think I think it's an underrated two-parter um, sure. that I always enjoy. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, see, it's, now we're into the, the, the batch of episodes that some of these, I, maybe I love part one, uh, or I really like part two, but maybe I'm not as high on part one. 
Um, and, and there's some that I wouldn't necessarily give like an A or an A minus to or any kind of B, B plus kinds of episodes. So it's like, do I pick the one that I'm looking at one right now that I love part of love it, love it, love it, but I'm not nearly as high on part of um, or do I go with one that maybe doesn't quite reach the heights of a really high part one, but doesn't have the dip in enjoyment part two. And I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the Voyager. I'm going to go with Future's End, okay. uh, which I really like. Uh, it's a fun time. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I wouldn't say it's my uh, classic go-to, but it, it, it's certainly got a lot of um, levity and some good guest stars with Sarah Silverman and um, <laughs> Ed Bagley Jr. Uh, really committing to the time travel, uh, sitting in the edge forever kinds of references with Tuvok and the hat. Uh, there are some lines of dialogue that definitely harken back to the original series, so they're really embracing sort of Star Trek stuff there. Um, very 90s as well. I feel like very that's 90s. Just, you know, yeah. sometimes you know, the TOS episodes get a lot of flack for being, oh my gosh, it's so 60s. That's an example of maybe Voyager especially feeling as 90s as it gets. Yeah. Um, so... If you want to, if you want a flavor of what 1996 felt like, Future's End's a great place to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I always enjoy Future's End. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I also i I think there's some good like you, you mentioned like TOS stuff with uh, City on the Edge, but there's also some uh, good TNG movies with kind of the Voyage Home kind of style as well, going back to the future and or the past. Yeah, sorry. And there's some good humorous moments in there too. But I, I, I really do like it. I think Voyager maybe at the end maybe goes back to the time travel thing a little bit too much, uh, but what show doesn't? So I, yeah. I, I think it's a good pick. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it's fun. I just uh, That's the, the word that always comes to mind with Future's End is it's just flat out a good time. Mm-hmm. It's a romp. The, it's not the heaviest thing. It's not. It doesn't have the the dramatic weight of Chain of Command. It doesn't have the the big universe, uh, you know, implications that something like Unification or Redemption have, or, or even like Scorpion has. But uh, it it never loses its sight on having a good time, just being a, an entertaining romp. Yeah. Round seven. Oh man, this is getting very tough. Very, very tough. I'm gonna go. Oh, I feel like I, I have all the Voyager, but I'm gonna go another Voyager. I'm gonna try to stick to my guns here. Uh, I'm going to go with Workforce. Oh, that was gonna be my next one. I was almost regretting not doing it. With, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think this is underrated episode. I, you guys know that I'm not a, a big, um, a big proponent for when a show isn't about the actual crew itself. Like uh, that's why I'm not big on, on you know, a few other um, <laughs> Voyager episodes that I will not name, uh, and and even with the Mirror Universe stuff, it's not technically our crew. So, but this this. Is, is a great episode because I think even when they like lose all their memory, kind of with basics, like they, they, they lose everything, they're kind of still true to themselves. Like, um, 
so I think this is just a fun kind of rebellious <clears throat> rebellious uh, kind of crew moment fighting against an entity that's uh, and the kind of the setup of this whole show or this whole episode <clears throat> it, it is kind of a big sci-fi concept which is to me is, is Voyager in a nutshell as well uh, I, I really do like I think Workforce is definitely an underrated episode and I, I like have, Workforce a lot too yeah I have four Voyager picks, if that tells you anything. Uh, But, yeah. It it tells me a lot, for sure. (laughs) But uh, Voyager gets a lot of credit for its two-parters, I think. What I'm looking at here, a lot of what's... The ones that stand out to me the most that are left are the Voyager. Mm -hmm. uh, To be honest with you. Uh, I I think their two-parters are pretty uniformly strong. Uh, So, yeah. I think... um, yeah, workforce is a really cool premise. I like the way that that again, kind of on the very much in a different way than basics. It, it, it strips the characters down to their basics. I mean, it's they're not it's not our crew. They're not operating in the way that they usually do. They don't have the memory, but yeah. they still you get to see these situations where they're kind of drawn to each other still. And uh, I think I think there are some really nice moments in those uh, yeah. in those scenes. I'm always surprised when I hit workforce again. It's not one that. I remember, like, it comes to the front of my mind when I'm thinking about these kinds of episodes, favorite episodes, but when I hit it in my rewatches, I, I give it a, a fresh set of eyes. It always surprises me. Like, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, better than I, than I give it credit for. A lot of really good doctor stuff, too, with ECH. Oh, yeah. Like, hiding in a nebula on the ship. Yeah. And, uh, by himself. Um, really enjoy that, too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with another Voyager. We're kind of taking Voyager's uh, stuff off the table here. I'm going to go with Dark Frontier, uh, which um, okay. is a <laughs> big Seven of Nine set piece for sure. It's another big board. I have a lot of board stuff. I've best with World Scorpion now, Dark Frontier. Um, so maybe that says something about me too. I really enjoy the deep dive in Seven of Nine's background, her, uh, her, where she sits mentally in terms of where she belongs and how committed is she to sticking this out and not being tempted to go back. Uh, I think there's, there's that sequence when she's on the board ship with the board queen and they're assimilating that society, and it's it's pretty scary. It's pretty it's pretty Big creepy time. stuff. Where you're yeah. you're watching these things that you always hear the Borg are doing, that they go to these planets and they totally just go to town and they just assimilate entire societies. And we, we kind of get a taste of that here, and it's not pleasant. The sound design's really great. Um, stuff that's implied that you're not seeing, but you can you can hear happening. Um, a lot of a lot of good filmmaking there. Uh, it's big action, you know, in the way Voyager really it becomes very much a staple of that show. Is it's, it's an action adventure show, and uh, the resolution's exciting, and um, but but it's also poignant. Like it's got it, it walks that line, being big, exciting science fiction action adventure stuff, but it's got an emotional tug to it as well with the bond that Janeway and Seven have kind of formed. In, in, in this relationship up to this point and uh, how the crew feels about Seven how Seven feels about the crew and how she feels about the Borg and how she feels about her parents like it really does dive deep into the Annika Hansen and Seven and stuff so 
yeah, feels this, heavy and important. Yeah, this is like a very important seven kind of episode to kind of establish oh, our yeah. character. It's like a character analysis almost, um, or origin story, or however you want to put it. It's yeah, it's got some good stuff in it for sure. Yeah, a year and a half into her journey on the ship, it kind of forces her and forces us to kind of take stock of where she is and yeah. like how she feels about her situation. It doesn't like let the fact that she is where she is for all the reasons she's there off the hook as like a hey, you know, no real consequence to this. Like there, it, it forces there to be discussions about how she feels about what's going on. Yeah, and I think that's important. Agreed. Round eight, three more. Three yes. Two. So, the next, my next pick might surprise some people, uh, but I think with the recency again, with maybe past tense, um, I'm going to go with Deep Space Nine's um, The Maquis. Maquis? <laughs> yes. I think... Um, this Cal Herb was in the chat a little while back, advocating heavily for someone to pick the Maquis. This, the, one, of the, one of the biggest... Uh, why I like this episode, or run of episodes, I guess two-parter, is that at the beginning of the show, it you see the arc here. Uh, at the beginning of the show, Cisco does not want to um, be at this post. You know, he's not sure if he wants to be in Starfleet anymore. It's it's all these things. And now we get fast-forward to this episode. He's, he sees... Uh, someone who, who has definitely lost their pat, path is one of his friends. Um, yeah. He talks about duty in this. There's some really good stuff. So uh, I think when you pair that with just his arc, this is one of those those pillars of the Cisco arc where you can see the change a little bit, at least start to happening where start to happen uh, where he's he's um, big on duty and and. and uh, just true to his kind of coming to the character of the Cisco we know, uh, and it also kind of builds on the <clears throat> the premise of the show where um, uh, the Cardassians is is a is a mess. That whole thing, um, not just with the Bajorans, but also this Federation um, settlers, and settlers, and and civilian playing with territory lines and and demilitarized zones and things like that. Good times, I think. So I had to pick it. Yeah, the Maquis is definitely another one of those examples that really sets into motion huge, huge things. It sets up Voyager. It sets up <clears throat> things that are going to play out in TNG. Like, this is the we talk a lot the way I'm rewatching with kind of overlapping shows. Mm-hmm. And that's in the season where you have. You have the Maquis, and then a few episodes later in the overlapping way to watch, you have like Journey's End, which is about those settlers yeah. and Wesley Crusher and the Native Americans who are living out on a, mm-hmm. on a colony someplace that's affected by this decision in the Maquis. Uh, a preemptive strike with Ensign Row, Lieutenant Row at that point, also, also deciding to go off of the Maquis and dealing also more like TNG's dealing with the aftermath of some of the stuff that's happening in the Maquis too. And then you get Caretaker and all the yeah. stuff too. So it sets into motion things that affect like all the stuff like you have this Venn diagram of TNG and Voyager and uh, Deep Space Nine and in the middle is the Maquis really at the end of the day like that's the thing that sparks the things that touch all these shows Mm -hmm. and characters and cross-pollinates everything a lot of connective tissue not just Deep Space Nine but to the universe itself and the other shows yep yeah and I think on its own everything you said about Cisco 
and his arc, I think that all works too. I think it works on its own. It's not just playing with the, the toys of the Star Trek universe. It's, it's <laughs> taking advantage of like Cisco and characters that are at, a, at home in Deep Space Nine, and it's not losing sense of its own show and mm-hmm. you know, taking advantage of the stuff that Deep Space Nine gets to play with. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so. Um, it's getting tough. I, I'm, I'm really <laughs> really here. tough. Like I said, there, <laughs> there are a lot that I that I really like. There are, there are two partners that I really really respect and I really enjoy. There are there's there's still an example sitting there that I love. Part one. I'm not as huge on part two. Uh, there's another example that I really like. Part two, but I'm not as huge on part one. Uh, so it's just a matter of like where do you go? What's what's what feels right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the TNG. Maybe this is another example of like recency. I really like Gambit. Gambit's another one that feels rompy and fun and crazy and. Uh, it feels like TNG trying to do something different, taking our characters and putting them all in like these different situations. Riker and Picard having to sort of play act and try to one-up each other and are at odds in a way that they are never at odds. Uh, Riker hits Picard, punches him in the face at one point, uh, which is a really strange thing to see, just the way that you know those characters and the way that they interact with each other. You have Data in command, and uh, I mentioned last week, I think, when we were doing a rewatch recap, it's one of my favorite little Brent Spiner is when he's playing captain and, like, turns on, like, a little subroutine or something, and you can see in his performance that something clicks, mm-hmm. and he's, 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 like, taking stock of, like, these different things that Picard and I'm sure every other commanding officer he's ever had and done. Things in his body language, the way he sits, the way he folds his arms, the way he, he changes his cadence when he's talking to Worf. Yeah. Uh, all, I love that stuff. Love it, love it, love it. I love the way Worf reacts and has to check himself and calls into question his, you know, the way he looks at data and how he maybe isn't ready to be a first officer yet. To learn the difference between being the tactical officer who can always kind of like throw out there crazy crazy suggestion and how that's different than being the first officer where you can't just question everything the captain's doing. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of really good stuff in Gambit. It's not, again, nearly as huge and important and as uh, groundbreaking as some of these other ones that have already been picked, including the one I just picked with Dark Frontier, which I feel like is more impactful of a character and of a show. Gambit feels more of like an interesting aside and a fun time. But I I, I love it every time I watch it. I really yeah. enjoy it. Such a, such a fun time. Like, we get characters dressing up in different... Uh... You know, they're not in their usual uniforms. You know, this, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of fun in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, covert things, and, and I guess it, it kicks off. With, you know, I think was Rick Picard dies or something. Though the crew yeah, thinks they that. Think Picard's dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a big kind of get your attention moment a little bit. Uh, For sure. So mm-hmm. it's all good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Round nine. Round nine. So I'm gonna go with a an episode. Uh, I think Bill kind of hit it on the nail on the head that maybe I have a I have a better time with the first half, um, and we just hit it actually. Um, so I'm gonna go with Times Arrow from TNG, okay. which I'm just well, I'm there. just seeing that I didn't put the little TNG tag on there uh, on that episode, but um, that'll try not to bug me. Uh, I. <laughs> um, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, as maybe an undervalued Trek. It's definitely an underrated 
time. I do like kind of the first half exploring, you know, what it means, I guess, part of humanity of, of, of death uh, with, with data. And I think... Again, this is another rising stock uh, pick for sure, because what we see in Picard later on, it definitely changes that a little bit too, um, and adds a little bit a different flavor to it as I see it. So, had to pick it. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I think um, yeah, I, I I really like Times Arrow as we talked about. I'm glad that it got chosen off the, on the heels of really diving into it a couple weeks ago mm. uh it's another it's fun time uh I, I i talked about it reminds me a lot of uh the original series it feels like it's taking chances with things that they're doing with characters and um dealing with mark twain and really just kind of embracing the uh again the <laughs> crazy and yeah. just kind of going for it um, but also rising stock like you said with some of the things that are hard uh, brought to the front again um, with Data's arc and where Data wants to go and how he sees himself. So uh, definitely glad it got chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, so round nine uh, for me. Um, I think for me the best episode that's left is going to be another Voyager. Voyager, okay. Voyager did well today. Yes. Uh, I, I like Flesh and Blood. I, okay. I like what that does for the Doctor. Um, it, it's another exploration of like holographic rights, and um, there's some fallout from the killing game with giving the erosion holographic technology and what that would lead to, uh, the sort of unforeseen consequences of a decision like that. Um, something that the crew does that feels good, it feels like a positive solution ends up being a, a bad choice with hindsight. Um, and it, it's it's exciting. I think I think there's a lot of good. There's some really rich dramatic stuff for Robert Picardo to play with being conflicted and trying to walk the fine line between. I don't think he's ever totally. He's never he's never compelled to betray the crew. He's not trying to betray the crew, but he's trying to bring those holograms back and trying to find a way for everybody to coexist and for, for things to get to a better place. Mm-hmm. And that feels at home with his character arc and feels right. Uh, his commitment to that feels like something that's been earned over the course of the show by that point in the seventh season. Uh, so that's a, that's a big one. It, it's not like a top of the line top tier absolute favorite of mine but when that's another one kind of like work when i hit it late voyager's run and yeah. I, it always hits me and i'm like man that's better than i remember mm. and it's 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 good i, I think uh, when i'm looking at this list that's the one that stands out to me is like yeah that's probably the for me subjectively uh the the, the best complete package that's left on the board yeah okay Last round, round Last 10. Last round. Oof. Man, uh, this is tough. Um, I'm going to be bold here, <laughs> okay. I think. I'm going to go with The Hope Is You from Discovery. Oh, okay. uh, which which is hard because it's not traditionally a, a two-parter. 
uh, like we said, kind of at the top of the show. But um, I, I really have uh, <laughs> a higher regard, maybe, uh, with these. It's, it's so hard to even talk about uh, with these. Uh, maybe part one <clears throat> than maybe most, uh, for sure. I think that those last, you know, whatever it is, five, seven minutes um, on that outpost are, are so, so good. And when I think back... Yeah, you really love that. When I think back, uh, and I've had some time away from uh, the third third season of Discovery, when I think back, that's one of those, that's one of those most memorable scenes, uh, yeah. for me. Uh, so I, I feel like I had to put, pick it. Um, this, the second part, um, is good too, as well. Um, we get some good payoff, uh, to a lot of different things, obviously, uh, in the season. Um, so yeah, picking it. I love it. Um, interesting, and I like to see something from the new, the new age uh, come off the board. I was questioning there if it would happen. Yeah. Um, I might, I might even go back to the well here in a second. Okay. <laughs> really torn. Yeah. With that, there, there's a couple here. Full disclosure: now that I'm, I'm, I'm not. You know, there's nothing else to pick after me here. Um, but I've I, I really had a hard time with. Um, sort of imbalanced for me parts one and two i big really time. like big time I, I love part one of shockwave love 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 i think it's an enterprise highlight uh, the consequences of that situation seeing them have to second guess should we even be out here i think that's right at home in the arc of enterprise and that first season and the premise of that show like forcing themselves out there and being pushed back by the vulcans and then they have this huge disaster happen that makes them second guess for the Vulcans. right should we not be out here we're we not ready for this yeah um and then it ties into the temporal war like they set up a lot of big things it's got a great cliffhanger with archer being pulled all the way to the future and this you know apocalyptic everything got effed up yeah. like future and having to figure a way out yeah. of that like it feels like a, a real cliffhanger like a real like wow like what are they gonna because this is the end of the um, first season right into the second yeah. season yeah yeah for sure and then part two i think is okay but it's it's doesn't have the juice that part one has so I, I've, I've stayed away from that uh, same kind of thing with the search I think the search part one is really strong with the introduction of the client and going over to the Gamma Quadrant and having that huge battle with the Dominion and the, the, that cliffhanger at the end of that episode with the Changelings coming out of the out of the lake of, of Changelings I think part two is a little less successful yeah. with the twist of it's all simulation I think that's kind of not my favorite thing and yeah. uh, I think it's not quite as lively and exciting as part one is Birthright's kind of the same thing I, I really like part one with the exploration of the dream stuff with Beta and worth not you know questioning his father and all the things he's assumed are true part two is a whole different thing with him on the colony uh with uh, the romulans and the Klingons living together so there's these imbalanced ones where i maybe love one half but maybe not as much another and then there are other examples here where i feel like i like both parts and they're on equal footing I feel more at home with like no these are two equal parts here uh I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Discovery. I'm gonna go with Terraform. Oh, I'm so glad you picked that. <laughs> uh, I want to throw some love its way. I, I I still feel like the there, there's stuff in that. I'm not completely at home in deciding on where it sits on my like Discovery ranks as a whole. I'm curious to watch it all over again and have that feel more final like with, with another round of watching it having it settle into my head but 
uh, shocking things like the Georgia stepping through the door and finding out where she is, like where seeing where she is. Like to me, that I, I mentioned when we talked about it in the first setting was a rare moment where I, my kind of breath was taken away. Like I can't believe they're doing this. Like I, I had no idea they were doing this. Uh, that really worked. The Guardian Forever stuff is great, I think. Uh, and it's a classic Star Trek, like we talked about on the first setting not too long ago. Like having that chance to undo or change something you did in earlier life, like yeah. that, that's a relatable and real uh, wish that a lot of us have had. And seeing somebody as crazy as Short Joe have to go through that is an interesting. Yeah. So. I I'm feeling good about doing that. I'm glad to. <sighs> this might be one of my board. biggest draft regrets is not picking that. You guys know that yeah. I I'm not a big on the mirror universe stuff, obviously, but I think there's some really good stuff in the for the first half of this when you pair it with um uh specifically the the re- relationship between uh Giorgio and Burnham and 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 the the. With with the pilot as well, uh, and you, when yeah. you pair that oh, yeah. stuff, oh, such just good stuff. And then the second half, it, it feels cutthroat again. I think it feels mm-hmm. dark and, and and just bad. And and it also it because I feel like another thing that I really like about this episode is uh, I feel like in in past iterations of the mirror universe. We've always tried to change that cutthroat mentality. That you know how in 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 uh, Deep Space Nine, there's there's all this rebellion talk and things like that, and there's pushback to this cutthroat way of life, and they do that here again. But I think it's it's the the mere universe pushing back. Like yeah, we're not gonna change, even though you know it's 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 good. Uh, I think um, it's one of my. I think we should maybe bridge the gap into. What was what would the next pick be? What's what were some tough cuts? Uh, and this for me might be one of the top three toughest cuts. Uh, so yeah, um, for me it's the ones that I kind of just named. I, I struggled. I shockwave's the one that is sticking out to me because I love part one so much, mm-hmm. um, and even the search. I, I do like the search, even part two. I respect the search. I think that's a game changer for that show. And feels feels like a big deal. Um, <laughs> Such Food Sorrow is it's kind of the flip side of that. I, I, I enjoy part It's full of action and Big time. balls to the wall on <laughs> that front. Um, <laughs> it's insane and crazy, and there's some really great stuff in part two. I'm not as huge on part one. I think part one's a little plotting, a little more like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, a lot of long dialogue scenes of kind of setting up what's coming. I think part two's much more successful than part one. Um, but I... Um, even Descent, I really like part one of Descent. We talked about that not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, Data's experiencing emotion with the Data uh, spotlight last week, I think we talked about we that. Did. So a lot of them were tough cuts. Um, here, is there, what's your least favorite on the list? Is there one that sticks out to you that you know you wouldn't have picked? Like that was never in question, never, you just weren't ever in Um... Unimatric Zero. I know. I know. We got uh, some people that do like it. I. I think it's a cool sci-fi concept. It's definitely Voyager, uh, in its um, when you break it down, really. But I think uh, it's going back to the well, maybe one too many times with the um, with the Borg stuff. <laughs> I and 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 part of me is this might be like 
very, I guess, savage and draft, but I don't really care about the people in Unimatrix Zero, and I don't really, you know, the characters, uh, I don't really care for, um, but right. I, I know people uh, do like it, so I, I, I don't want to, you know, drag it through much, yeah. too much here. <laughs> A.K.A. Mamel likes Unimatrix Zero, uh, is talking about that. Cool. She mentioned that half of her top ten was not chosen, which I love. That's I so that's cool. Great. That's so that's, cool. That's the reason to do these things. Yeah. That's... Uh, that the whole that my whole reason for loving this is that it exposes the difference in pre- mm-hmm. preference and what what clicks for some people and not others. So I love to hear that. So she's mentioning birthright. It was, a, it was something that she chose. The search, Unimatrix Zero. And I'm curious, AKA Man, we'll keep going. I want to hear what those other yeah. two were that were on yours that we didn't choose. I. And another tough pick was the search. I really do like the first half yeah. of that with the Defiant and and the collaboration with the Defiant and things like that. That's that's so cool. I think even I wouldn't even say the the to the second part is is where it falls. I think the, the twist at the end is the reason why it was left off my list. So right, yeah, I, and the, the twist at the end kind of it feels kind of a cheat i guess I, I i think it it makes sense that they would do that like i i think it's a neat idea to like okay we're gonna we're gonna test to see how they would react to yeah to peace but i also don't necessarily think it's consistent and it's not a fall of the show they were still finding their sea legs and finding what they were like can't criticize them too much for kind of like with the board there are things in q who that don't necessarily like stay consistent with how we do the board later mm-hmm. same thing in the, in the i think that the way we see the dominion much later in the show uh, that tactic, that decision, they would not to, do, to that. do that. Didn't feel like something that they would do. They would care. Name it. Yeah, I don't think they would either. I think they would have a different tactic. Yeah. Uh, the way that the Dominion are portrayed through the majority of the rest of the show. Um, so I, I don't love that. Um, and that's definitely, if I had to explain me too, I think if that, if there's a reason it's not on my list. It's, 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 it's that. Um, yeah. Uh, AKA Such Bizarre Part 2, the first 20 minutes of that. She watches all the time. Uh, the battle, battle scenes are so epic. Uh, it's not really about battles, but it's way too, it's it's fun. Like, yeah, I agree. I think if you're just, if, I remember thinking that at the time, Such Bizarre just embraces like the balls to the wall action battle yeah. sequence so much. Yeah. And it just goes so far into it. It's just like, all right, we're just going to do it. We're going we're gonna, to like give you all the Star Trek battle stuff you ever wanted to see here and i do appreciate that i really enjoy part two uh, it's 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 crazy and it's not for everybody i think some people find it to be uh, a little too thick on that but i i do respect that and i think anson mouse really great in it and and she also picked it uh, at incardia ego wow okay the card uh that's the other one so and that's another one for me that i think part two is pretty strong i really like part two i love the ending of it i love where it ends up uh, part one i'm not as into um but I, I i really respect that and um if there were another couple rounds i could i could definitely see myself getting him um, okay yeah i think if for least favorite for me i'd probably go stormfront for myself okay. uh, i know a lot of people really like that that's another one that's kind of like your mileage may vary. Uh, the, 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 it's definitely rompy and silly and ridiculous, and they just kind of throw all caution to the wind and embrace yeah. the, the crazy. Uh, and it's some people love it, some people don't. I'm kind of more in the camp of kind of left cold by it. I love the last 20 minutes or so of it. Uh, the resolution, the return to Earth proper, and those last five minutes or so are really, really good. I mean, um, but yeah. 
Interesting. So real quick, uh, six out of eight TNG episodes were picked. Okay. Eight out of ten Voyager episodes Ooh. were picked. So a lot of success there. There, there were ten Voyager, eight TNG on board, and a, a majority of both of them went. Uh, three, two out of three Deep Space Nine, one out of three Enterprise, two out of three Deep Discovery, and one out of one uh, TOS. Um, so a lot of success for... Um, DS9 and Voyager with a lot to choose from. Like they, those those yeah. batches of episodes got pretty well, uh, pretty well scooped up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just looked at the time. <laughs> We're definitely going a little yeah. long, so maybe we'll yeah, uh, we'll skip the uh, uh, the the trek. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll hit that next week for sure. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. I love these episodes. I love doing fantasy drafts. They're quickly, I think I said this every time we do it, I think it's my favorite thing, to be, to be honest, on, in terms of like our recurring topics. I think it forces me to think of the episodes in a different way. I love the, it's not just straight up a top five list or a top ten list. There's a, there's a whole different layer to it. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm excited to look at different ways to do it outside of just I love the episodes in a season I think that's a really cool way to sum up a season yeah I'd, I'd kind of even like to do that when you're done season two of or season three of Deep Space Nine again uh, we did it for season one we didn't do it for season two but every every once in a while when we finish the season I'd kind of like to try it yeah um, just because I think it's a cool way to kind of sum it up yeah um I, I love it because we get to we get to talk about more episodes. We get to talk about more track. Yeah. Because a lot of times with top five or top ten, we're talking about a, a, a smaller handful of episodes. But here we're talking about such a big group, such a wide range of episodes that it just it's good. So I'm glad we did. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess that'll about do it for us this week. Um, we'll be back next week for more uh, Trek Live. We're going to talk about um, single episodes that we think would make good two-parters. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, this is kind of the uh, two-parter kind of run here. Yeah. 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 We're going to look at episodes that might have benefited from a little more a little more time, a little more uh, fleshing out the, that part one, part two format. Uh, mm-hmm. And I look forward to kind of thinking about that this week and coming with episodes in mind and seeing where we stand. So everyone out there is welcome to join us for these live streams on YouTube and on Periscope and Twitter, uh, where you can kind of share your ideas. This week, it was kind of hard to keep up with the chat, so I appreciate you guys who are there hanging with us. It's Cal Herb and yeah. uh, AK Mamel. Both of us are producing on one side or the other, dancing on the YouTube side and doing the yeah, Periscope side. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot to keep up with, but I appreciate you guys contributing and trying to hang with you as best we could as, as far as commenting on your responses but next week can be a more traditional conversation so um we definitely look forward to hearing from anybody out there who would like to attend and be a part of the conversation so but definitely come over to twitter uh and let us know your guys's list we want to definitely see those um for sure yeah i'll be interested to see uh what people think of our draft board and maybe who got the better batch of episodes in their minds uh and uh continued conversation on all those fronts so uh, <laughs> Join our conversation on Discord by uh, 
DMing me on Twitter at TrekFan4387. If you're interested in getting bored, we have a Discord server where we talk about what we're watching. We talk about uh, what we're reading. There's a, there's a channel in there if you're reading novels and want to share your thoughts. It's a great way to connect with people. Every so often, we have what we call Trek After Dark, which is a casual, laid-back, unbroadcasted sort of group call uh, where people can participate on camera, on just microphone, or just chatting along in text uh, typing um, with people hanging out watching sometimes watching Star Trek sometimes just casually talking about Star Trek sometimes not talking about Star Trek at all and just kind of getting to know each other about what we have going on in our lives but it's a nice little tight knit community we do it we try to do it in 2021 about every six weeks eight weeks every every month and a half two months um so if you're interested in connecting with other Star Trek fans on that level, send me a DM. I'll get you invited. I'll get you set up. And uh, that'll be like an automatic invite to those kinds of events. Um, and then, of course, find us on Twitter for all kinds of other Star Trek content yeah. conversations. Yep. You guys know the drill. The discussion doesn't have to stop here. If you're listening to this on your podcast feed, we thank you. But this episode specifically probably benefits from coming over to either uh, the Periscope link or the YouTube because there are some producer stuff where you can some visuals and see the draft board and things like that. But um, Twitter, Facebook, you guys know the drill. The discussion doesn't have to stop here. Um, see you guys next week. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time and hanging out, and uh, see you next week. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.